Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's praise the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being so kind with us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving us, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house tonight, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I always enjoy being in the house of the Lord. Sometimes we don't feel like want to get up. But greater is he that it is in us than him that is in the world. Amen. Glory to Dios. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to go to the scriptures. Psalm 16, verses uh, six, uh, 7, 8, and 9. Hallelujah. Glory to Dios. Gracias, Señor Jesús. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Psalms, Psalms 16, verse 7 say, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My, my reigns also instruct me in the night season. I have set the Lord always before me because he is my right hand and I should not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiced. My flesh also should rest in hope. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. If we put the Lord first, everything else will be added. Amen. Sometimes there are too many things going on at the same time in our lives. But at the end of the day, nothing of that matter because God always is going to reign in our hearts. Amen. The trouble might last for a, for a while or maybe go through the night. But thanks God for the next day. Amen. Glory a Dios. Let's pray. Señor Jesús, una vez más, Señor, estamos en tus manos en esta noche, Padre Celestial. Que seas tú que se glorifique en cada alma, en cada corazón que ha venido en esta noche a recibir de ti, Señor Jesús. Que seas tú que toque el predicador, Señor. Que seas tú que toque el profesor de esta noche, Padre Celestial. Gracias por darnos esta oportunidad de podernos instruir en tu palabra en esta noche, Padre Celestial. Gracias una vez más. Te pedimos que toques a todos aquellos, Señor, que están enfermos, aquellos que están indecisos, Padre Celestial. Dale fuerza, dale sabiduría y entendimiento, Señor, para que puedan acercarse a ti, Padre Celestial. Gracias, Señor, por ese amor tan grande que tú tienes para este pueblo que te ama, Señor, este pueblo que te glorifica, Padre Celestial. Gracias, Señor Jesús. Glorifícate tú en esta noche, Señor Jesús. Tócanos en esta noche. Oh, abre nuestro entendimiento, Padre Celestial. Abre nuestros corazones, Señor Jesús, para que podamos recibir esa palabra tuya en esta noche, Señor Jesús. Bendito sea tu maravilloso nombre. En el nombre del Señor Jesús te lo pedimos. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. God reigns, and that's why we have peace tonight. 
world may not have much peace, but we have peace. Hallelujah.
higher ground.
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we're looking for higher ground, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of walking on this old side. Tired of walking on the same old levels. Sometimes feeling like you just get so far. It's like you just hit a plateau and it just levels off. But no, I want to I wanna find higher ground. I want to walk on a higher level of faith. I want to walk at a higher level of God's glory. I want to walk on a higher level of His presence, on a higher level of the songs that we were singing about being like Him and thinking like Him as much as I possibly can in this, in this human mind, in this flesh. I want, to, I want to rise above all of that to get on higher ground, to walk with Him. Amen? Amen. And I believe we're getting there as we, we've been praying, we've been fasting and I believe we're going to begin to see God's miraculous power in such a mighty way. Amen. Amen. Just a few quick announcements and then we'll receive the offering and dismiss our classes. Don't forget uh, tomorrow night, Thursday, Spanish service, 7.30 p.m. Saturday morning, ladies prayer and men's prayer um, at 8 a.m. Uh, men's prayer will be here at the church. Ladies prayer will be both here at the church or on Zoom if you if you want to do it that way. Also, don't, uh, don't forget or I would like to remind you this morning or this evening. I can't even get the words out. Got it all written down. I'd like to remind you this evening that Sunday evening at 5 p.m. is a ladies' fellowship. It's a it's a bake swap, and that's the 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 theme, I guess, for the for the fellowship. But the real point is that it's fellowship, right? If you don't bake and you want to buy something instead of baking, that's fine. Or you just want to show up, there'll be extra stuff there. Um, and uh, I'm not in charge of it, but this is all the things I've been told. And so we, <laughs> sister sister Angie. Sister Angie is kind of going to be running that, um, and so you can see her if you have any questions about that. But again, the whole point is fellowship. Just show up. You're going to have a great time of, of fellowship, ladies. Also, I'd like to let you know that um, Tuesday, Pastor Tryon and myself and Sister Marie and and uh, Brother Rosa and Brother Cordero, we went uh, down to the police station, and we were able to meet with uh, uh, Chief Christopher Shute. Um, our deputy chief and several of the police officers um, and, and, and a staff member there. And we were able to present the gift cards to them, the prayer proclamation. Uh, and uh, it, it went really, really, really well. They were truly appreciative of everything that, that we did for them. And uh, thank you so much for giving to that. What, what a great way. I believe that this is just going to open up more doors um, for us to be able to minister in our community and um, maybe be able to partner uh, with the police department and the rest of our community to bring more and more unity um, and peace in our city. Amen? Amen. They actually said that they were going to have some officers here on Sunday. Um, and uh, there were some things that happened, a critical incident, and they all, they all uh, had to be there for that and weren't able to, to spare anybody. But uh, I, I was encouraged the fact that they were actually planning on sending somebody here. Um, and so let's just continue to pray for our police uh, department um, and that, that God will get a hold of them, that there will even be revival in our police department. Amen? Wouldn't yes, that be awesome? Sir. That would be awesome. Yes, amen. Amen. That would be great. But they were truly appreciative. We took them a cake. Um, and uh, they, they just really enjoyed everything, and they were really, really grateful. And so thank you for giving. Also, um, if you haven't signed it yet, uh, we, had, we did announce on Sunday um, that Sister Alita Rump did pass away on Friday night. 
um, and we know her uh, very well and the family. They've ministered here several times. Um, there is a card. Um, I believe Sister Trine has it. Um, and uh, if you'd like to sign that card that we can send to the family, um, that would be that would be great. And so see Sister Trine uh, concerning that. All right. At this time, we're going to receive our offering. Um, and uh, the, there's uh, baskets. I was going to say buckets, but more like baskets on, on each side. You can come and give after we pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for your grace. For your mercy thank you lord for being so faithful to us lord you your promises your faithful promises are our armor and our protection lord and we thank you for your faithfulness to us we ask lord you would continue to bless us and we give back to you tonight out of that which you have blessed us and we pray that you would bless it to the upbuilding of your kingdom in jesus name we pray Amen. Would you come and give? And then our classes are being dismissed with the exception of the youth class. The youth class will be staying in here. Again, the youth class will be staying in here. Would you give? Jesus is my Savior. I shall I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved just like a tree planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved just like a tree planted by the waters I shall not be moved let's sing it again I shall not be I shall not be moved I shall not be I shall not be moved just like a tree planted by the waters I shall not be moved Lord we praise you give honor glory Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're about to do tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You could be seated. If some people could move over a little bit, especially you that are way over there, that way I can see if somebody raises their hands. Good to have you here tonight. Um, this is a lesson that uh, uh, the Lord helped me to develop just recently, and there may be a part to it, I'm, another part to it, I'm not really sure. But what is really interesting, and I'm, I'm probably going to talk about that uh, a little, in a little while, is, you know, I was, I've been thinking a lot about relationship and how our relationship is with the Lord, how it ought to be, how we ought to strive uh, to grow in Him and be grounded and founded in Him. Uh, and one thing the Lord impressed me recently, and again, I'll probably talk about it in a few minutes, let me ask you this, this, uh, this afternoon, how many of you have recently read the Gospels, meaning Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? Recently, you've been reading them, okay? Now, here's, and I've actually been doing some writing. I'm not sure if it's going to turn into a book or a lesson or what, but I've been thinking about the lessons that Jesus taught and how that we in some ways, I think we need to get back to some of that because there are foundational uh, and principles, uh, foundational uh, ideas and principles that Jesus taught that sometimes we, we think, okay, I've, I've read Matthew, 
a dozen times. I've read Mark a dozen times. I've read Luke a dozen times. But um, I, I think it's important for us to learn. You know, if, if we learn from anybody, we ought to learn from Jesus, right? And so I think sometimes we skip over those things because, well, there's maybe deeper stuff supposedly in other parts of the Bible. And, and so just, just enter that as a thought. Now, this lesson is found out of Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 1. It says, Now I say that an heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors or teachers, governors, until the time appointed of the father. Even so, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that he might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son unto our hearts, or into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you that be as I am, for I am as you are. You have not injured me at all. You know how that through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness you spoke of? I bear you record that if it be possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore become, become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously affected you, but not, not well. Yea, they would exclude you that you might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in all good thing, uh, and not only when I am present with you. And this is the key here. I know it's a lot of reading. Verse 19 says, My little children of whom I travail and birth again until Christ be formed in you. That's the title of the lesson, until Christ be formed, be formed in you. So here in the notes it says, in general, uh, when we do things, we do them because there is a benefit associated with it, right? Now, don't, I don't want to lose you, but let me say it again. In general, we do things because there is a benefit associated with it. Why do you go to work? To get paid, all right? Why do you have a car? To get around, to get to work, so you don't have to walk? right? Why do you have friends? Huh? I didn't hear that. Tax purposes. Okay. That wasn't one, of my, one on my list, but <laughs> so <laughs> actually, how can you get a tax benefit anyhow? 
So, uh, so it, Sister Ellen says influence. influence. So why, why do you have friends? Again, I'm trying to get somewhere. Why, so why do you have friends? And somebody says, I don't have friends. <laughs> Companionship, all right. Camaraderie, that's excellent. Okay, why do you exercise? <laughs> Most everybody says I don't. <laughs> to look like James. <laughs> Why the Bible says exercise profits little, right? That's our excuse to eat more cupcakes and do less laps around the park, you know. But no, I'm kidding. But so, why do you exercise? To stay healthy. You want you want to get that blood flowing. You want to um, uh, you know generate more energy in your body so you lose weight, things like that. Uh, so, why do you eat? Somebody help me out here. Why do you eat? So you'll exercise more to stay alive? Does anybody, uh, maybe I shouldn't ask this, but I will. Does anybody in here enjoy eating? Slip your hand up in the air if you enjoy eating. Okay, especially some of you teenagers. You teenagers, your parents know all too well that you enjoy eating. And, uh, and, And so now then now let me ask this question. Why do you serve God? What is the benefit? Why do you serve God? What is the benefit? And Sister Tryon, I'm going to have you come up and grab one of these markers. We're going to, we're going to try to find one-word answers as much as we can. I, if you need to explain more, that's fine. I'll try to repeat it for the people that are listening online. But why do you serve God? Brother Lou, I see your hand. Eternal life. Okay. To love him, Brother Sam, your name in the book of life, <laughs> yes, restoration, what are the benefits to serving God, worship, amen, somebody else, benefits, Brother Brown, because he loved you first, or for yes, because Jesus loved me. Anybody else? Why do you serve God? What is the benefit of serving God? Now, I'm going to let you think about it a little more. I'd like to come up with some more answers here on this. Again, the question is, why do you serve God? What is the benefit? Some people might kind of fault me in, in wording it that way because they think, well, you know, it's not like you work a job and get benefits. It's kind of an apples and oranges type thing. But I'm really getting getting somewhere today. So why do you serve God? What is the benefit? Are there a few more answers, Brother Brown? Peace. You want to write that one? To be united with him one day. Purpose. Because he created everything. Eternal life. Couple more answers. Anybody else? What? What? To what benefit? What real benefit is there in serving God? Yes. Understanding. Returning to your original state. Right. In other words, fellowship with God, that communion with God, that relationship. Pre-fallen state is what she was talking about. Yes. Um, 
<laughs> All right, so when you're done with that, let's flip the page. Now, let's get back to the notes, and I, I want to lay a little bit of a foundation. After 18 months, or after about an 18-month uh, missionary journey, Paul arrives back at Antioch. He gets word that Judaizers, I'll explain that in a minute, that Judaizers were influencing the church that he established in Galatia. Judaizers were people who believed that, that living under the Mosaic law must be observed by the Gentiles as well. So Paul wrote to the Galatian church, which he founded, because they moved away from the truth, false prophets had perverted the gospel of Christ. He gets strong with them, proclaiming that they would be cursed if any preachers other than uh, anyone preaches the gospel other than, uh, than what they have heard, that there would be a curse that would come upon them. In Galatians 1, 10 through 12, it says, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be a servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men. For I neither received it of men, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to kind of show you some things here. Now, we need to remember that Paul was converted to the truth when there was no New Testament. Okay? When there was no New Testament written, Paul was converted to the truth. How many of you have a Bible? Does everybody own a Bible? All right? If you don't, come see me after church. I'll give you one. Okay? We have the benefit of this awesome book. He didn't. Now, he did have Old Testament scriptures, but he was, in fact, the writer of mo most of the New Testament. And most of it he had not really written yet. He had written some of it. But he had to hear from God. He had to get his message from the Lord. So remember, Paul converted to the truth. When he was converted to the truth, there was no New Testament written. All they had was Old Testament books. This new thing called Christianity was introduced by Jesus and revealed to the early church. Paul said, I neither received it of men, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so he's explaining that what I am teaching you, the things that I'm trying to get across to you, they have come to me by revelation. Nobody taught me. God spoke it to me. God gave it to me. Now, how many of you believe that God can speak to us today? I absolutely believe that. But one thing we always must understand, I know we say it a lot, is that if God talks to you when it goes against this book, it's not God. Because his word, the truth, is already established. So if he speaks to you, he's going to speak to you in line with this. Uh, and so we've got to be careful regarding new revelations and things like that. I really, this lesson isn't really about that. But. And so uh, since they didn't have a Bible for, the, for, um, for it at that time, they had to hear it from God and preach it and live it. They had Old Testament foundation for this new religion called Christianity. 
Some people, now here's, here's the, where it relates to Galatia. Some people tried to influence the church at Galatia to live under the law and away from the New Testament salvation. Now, I, I think for the sake we got a lot of our young people here and, and some new folks here as well. Um, when these early Christians in the church of Galatia that Paul had established, uh, people had come in and they, they tried to pull them away from the gospel that was taught them, the truth that was taught them, and put on them the law or have them observe the law. Maybe somebody could help us here today. Why was the law an issue? Why was Paul saying to them, you know, uh, uh, why is it that you're swaying away from what I originally taught you? What was the problem with the law? Maybe I can ask a question that way. What was the problem with the law? Anybody? Brother Brown? Right. Under the law, um, you had to be a Jew or, or convert to Judaism. You had to follow the Judaic law of sacrifices, you know, the bringing a sacrifice every year for your sins, and your sins would be rolled ahead. But in the law also, maybe I can I kind of dig into it like this. A lot of people today, I heard it when I first got in the church, oh, we're not under the law. We're under grace. And I think people have used that as, um, as an excuse not to have rules. Now, we don't live and serve God by the rules in that sense, in the Old Testament law. I mean, there was actually Jewish people, the Jewish religious leaders had had a whole, had a whole lot of extra laws beyond that which God originally established. Things like the... Um, a Sabbath day's journey. Have you ever heard of the phrase a Sabbath day's journey? Basically, they said you can only walk so many steps on the Sabbath day. Once you reach that number of steps, you've got to stop and sit there <laughs> or have somebody carry you. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah nobody could carry you. <laughs> and, and yeah, that's true. So they'd be walking. I'll get Marie here in just a second. But but think of it like this. I mean, years ago when we had our service master franchises and talking to a lot of Jewish people that we worked uh, for in their homes in, in West Hartford, I remember many times them telling us things like, "Well, when it's when it's the Sabbath, we have to hire Gentile people to turn our lights on." Yes. <laughs> they still do that. And to do tasks around their house. When it's their Sabbath, they hire Gentile people to turn the light switch on. Now, excuse me for just a minute, but I don't think it would offend God if you turn a light switch on. All right? <laughs> and so that law was a, a strict list of rules and regulations. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. And, and the minute you broke any one of those laws, you were now, uh, you know, what was it? You are now unclean. I mean, there were, you know, and, and so, so we're not under the law in that sense. So these Judaizers were trying to pull these 
uh, newborn Christians, these Gentile people, and have them start to obey the rules and regulations of the Jewish law. And, and so Paul kind of rebuked them for it. You know, are, are you going back or going away from what I originally taught you? I'm sorry, Sister Maria, it took me so long. Go ahead. Well, and a lot of it was that um, because in order for, for us to live in grace, the law has to be written in our hearts. Mm-hmm. It's not just written on a piece of paper. You actually have to apply it to your life. It's not just some set of rules written on a book. So it goes to the heart of the matter. And it was actually John in First John who said that the law is not grievous to me, you know, to keeping his law. So obviously, like you were said before, the New Testament had not been written yet. It was being written at the time. Mm-hmm. But this is what they had to go by. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. They had the law to maintain them. So obeying the law of Christ, the law, the Old Testament is not grievous when you're living under grace because of his blood that he shed. Amen. Excellent point. And so uh, let me let me kind of backtrack just a little bit and say this. You come into the church brand new, you, you know, you come to the church, God touches you, you get baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. And um, I actually had a person one time come to me so- shortly after getting saved and, sa- and said, can you give me a list of the rules and regulations? That's the first time and last time anybody ever did that. It may happen again, who knows, but, but I'm, I, I was so taken back by it, I'm like, Brother Brown, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, okay, we don't really have a list of rules and regulations. Now, the Bible does. The Bible tells us how to live, what, what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. But as I began to let the Holy Ghost speak to me and talk to them, I, I, I told them, I said, listen, it's not really about a list of rules and regulations. It's about a relationship. And so I ask you this question. What would be easier to follow or I'm, I'm not wording this the right way. Um, maybe I'll say it like this. If I gave you a list of rules then you're going to follow that list of rules. But if God began to speak to things in your heart and talk to you personally, are you more likely to follow a list of rules that I give you or God speaking something into your heart? And so when it becomes your personal conviction, when it becomes something that God is burning inside of you, it's easier to follow than it is that thou shalt, thou shalt not, correct? All right, so uh, New, uh, New Testament, the New Testament salvation is recorded in Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the church began to establish its foundational teachings in the New Testament book of Acts and the epistles. The epistles are Romans through Jude. These books teach us how to live once we become a Christian. Very important to note that, all right? Now, the epistles, how many know, I'm going to give you a little more foundation. How many know what an epistle is? It's a letter. So the epistles are letters that are written to who and what? People already in the church. So you're going to write differently to somebody that's already saved than you're going to write to somebody that's not yet saved. We all got that? You, you really need to have that, Okay. So Paul kept in touch with the many churches he established through letters. Many of those are now in our Bible. Galatians is one of those letters. 
Now that we have a Bible to guide us, these teachings are established and not to be changed or altered. And that's what Paul was saying to the Galatian church. He was saying, I taught you the truth. That truth is not to be altered. Okay? Uh, If anyone teaches you uh, or preaches anything that is not clearly established or found in the Bible, do not follow it. Revelation 22, 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So what does Paul mean when he says in Galatians 4.19, My little children of whom I travail and birth again until Christ be formed in you. Remember, we're talking about uh, uh, you know, being, uh, Christ being formed in us. That's the lesson today. So what does Paul mean when he says in Galatians 4.19, and if you have a lengthy answer, could you maybe jump over to one of these microphones? If you have a short answer, I can reiterate it. But if you have a long answer for the sake of those that are online, if you could jump over there. So what does it mean, or what does Paul mean when he says in Galatians, my little children of whom I travail in birth until again, until Christ be formed in you, Brother James? What he was literally saying is, I've told you the truth, but until you receive the revelation for yourself, that's when Christ will be formed in you. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Brother Lou? Uh, uh-huh. Right. Brother Lou says uh, we have time that when we get... When we become saved, we need to grow. We need to mature. There's a growth process. Uh, so amen to that. Brother Brown. I think the beginning of that verse is very important. He said, my little children. Um, this is a church that he literally birthed in mm-hmm. the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a church he, he established, and, and therefore he was kind of like the daddy. And um, he's saying now, you know, I, I gave birth to you in the spirit realm in, in, in the sense of I started this church. I, I'm the one that preached the gospel to you. I'm the one that's been praying for you. And, he, and then he goes on, I have travailed in birth. And I do travail in birth. Right. Until Christ. He's like, I'm, I'm still travailing in birth for you. Right. I'm still, I'm still praying for you every day. I'm still uh, laboring for you every day. Um, travail is labor. It's work. Right. It's pushing. It's praying. Paul says, I'm doing all of that mm-hmm. until you really do see Christ formed in you, until mm-hmm. you begin. The word formed is, is morpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis. He's, right. he's, he's, you're being morphed into something. You're being transformed. And Paul said, I'm going to continue praying and travailing and working for you and rebuking you and correcting you and molding you and shaping you until Christ really is formed in you. Right. A very important point here is, and I want all of us to get this, he is laboring that Christ be formed in them. All right, not him. He said, until Christ be formed in you. So with that in mind, what does it mean to have Christ formed in you? And maybe we could have Sister Tryon come back up to the board and some people can shoot out some answers. So what does it mean, especially if you have like a one-word answer, but if you've got more than that, that's fine. What does it mean to... Uh, for Christ to be formed in you. In other words, what characteristics are you going to take on if Christ is in you? Different mindset? 
Amen. Compassion. Okay, what are some characteristics at humility? Awesome. That are that are characteristics that are Christ or godly that we ought to have. We're talking about Christ being formed in us now. Now, and I'm going to get sister here in just a second, and I, I think you're going to have a great answer too. But if you were to, if if we had a jar here or a container of some kind and poured water into it, that water is going to what? Going to take on the form of what it's being poured into. And so we, in, in a different sense, when Christ is poured into us, his image is being formed in us. We are becoming more like him. Go ahead, sister. Right. Right. To to grow in the Lord. To you said another word, and I. To the love of God, um, that seed being planted in us. Okay. Amen. Right. Good good point. Good point. Yes, Sister Angie. Holiness. Okay. A- any anyone else? Brother Brown? Submission. Okay. So let me go on here. It's the word formed in this passage means to shape or to fashion. It also talks about base or the adjustment of parts. Or the word that I really love is this, nature. The word, uh, you know, the word fashion here talks about nature, changing our nature. We are what Christians? What kind of, we are born again Christians. Do we all know what that really means? It means that we're born anew, that our life is changing. We came to God one way and we're growing and maturing and becoming uh, God, more godly. All right. Uh, so uh, if we were to take clay, we could mold it into any form that we want. Correct. So the Paul is saying here, I labored that the nature of Jesus would be formed in you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I labored that the nature of Jesus would be formed, be formed in you. And he goes on further and says, it hurts me to see that someone is pulling you away from what I have taught you. That's what he's saying in the scriptures that I read to you a little while ago. He says, it hurts me that somebody, here he was, he, he established the church in Galatia, and 18 months later, he's in Antioch, and he gets word that the doctrine and the teaching he instilled in that church was now being destroyed by people that were trying to convince them otherwise. And he said, it hurt me. Go ahead. I get the picture here of uh, a potter or a sculptor who is sculpting a work and he steps away for a minute uh, to take a break and he comes back and somebody else is changing it into something else. Mm -hmm. Just took his sculpture and started just making it into something completely different. 
or an artist who is painting a beautiful masterpiece um, and steps away from it and comes back and someone has taken a paintbrush and mm. painted something completely different on that canvas. That's, that's th that kind of feeling is what I'm getting from Paul in this, in this scenario. Right. You know, you know, I was just thinking of something that this, uh, maybe it's going to relate here. How many of you know how to cook or bake even reasonably well? Okay. What would you think if, you know, you, you've got everything prepared and you, you've got everything mixed up and everything is ready to go in the oven and you step away and somebody comes along and says, oh, no, no, that needs more salt. You know, and they start pouring the salt in there. No, 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 we need more of this. And no, 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 that's ridiculous. You've got to add this. I'm not going to eat it unless you add that. <laughs> <Is there any laughs> do you kind of know what I'm talking about? I mean, how, how would you feel? It's like, you know, I seasoned that, me that meat for the last 24 hours. It's been seasoned. It's ready to go. It's ready to go on the, you know, the grill. And somebody comes and pours tomato ketchup sauce all over it or whatever. You know, it's like, <gasps> you killed it. You destroyed it. I've been working on that. You know, I, I even went on the Internet and downloaded the, the, the menu and the, the ingredients and everything else. And now, look, you messed it up. <laughs> you, know, you understand where we're coming from? I mean, somebody else is trying to interject something here that was not really the original intent. That was going to be hamburgers. Now it's got to be meatloaf. You know? Or that was going to be chicken, but I don't know what it's going to be anymore. <laughs> my, my wife tells a story when, when we were first married, and, and I kind of mentioned it. Sorry, honey, I'm going to have to do this, but it's good. So when, you know, when we first got married, her mother never let the girls in the kitchen, right? She never cooked before. Y'all... Keep praying for me, right? Anyhow, no. <laughs> I mean, she had never, she had never, she had never cooked before, right? So every meal was an experience. And, and, uh, and, and so one of the first meals she cooked, it was nice big chicken legs, and we invited somebody over after church to come, and the mashed potatoes were good. But when we went to cut into the chicken, it was raw inside, cooked on the outside, raw inside, and the plate was full of blood, just cutting into it. And it was all pink inside, and I, I ate it because I didn't want to hurt my wife. I just prayed I didn't get, like, tofu poisoning or something like that. And then tomain or whatever, yeah, anyhow, you get the idea. But then it was just a little while later... Uh, I guess a, a couple weeks later or something like that, I came home from work one day and I thought my house was on fire. I mean, there was smoke coming up behind the house. I'm, I, I, I hit the gas and I pull in, screech to a stop. I run in the house. I look out in the backyard and our grill is on fire. <laughs> and so she goes, well, I just came in the house for like 10 minutes. <laughs> and that chicken was well done. Well, well, well done. Yeah. yeah, offering burnt sacrifices, trying to treat me like God or something like that. But, 
but I, I have to say that when, you know, uh, when, actually, I don't even know what I was going to try to say out of that, but that's all right. Uh, but the, there's nothing worse than you are trying to create something and somebody else ha- tries to throw their two cents in there when you know exactly what you want to get. And so, are you going to? Okay, go ahead. She's not going to get even. Okay, good point. Now, back in our notes, it said, I asked you, why do you serve God? What is the benefit? The next question here is, what should the end result of serving God look like? We're going to have Sister try and come back up to this. What should the end result of serving God look like? We've had some of the answers before, and some of these are, huh? You can keep going on that page. Go ahead. God? Okay, that we would look like God. That's probably the simplest and most profound answer right there, that we are to be in the image of God. So now let's define that a little bit for for those of us that have small craniums (laughs) so we can kind of see, and that was a great answer, by the way. Um, What does uh, looking like God or serving God look like? What What are... Again, I don't want to come up with a, loose, a, a list of rules and regulations. That's not what this is about. But I want us to kind of see if we are being formed in the image of God, what would we look like? Brother James? Relationship. Relationship. Brother Lou? Fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit. Compassion. Compassion on others. Self-control, self-discipline. Amen. A couple more? All right. Let's hold with that for just a little while. So making it to heaven, uh, you know, would be a possible answer, stop sinning, things like that, being a nicer person. The end result would be that we would have Jesus formed in us. So what does Jesus Christ formed in us look like? I think a lot of these things that we just talked about would fit into that. Uh, and, And so... Um, you know, being the image of Christ, having his attributes. What Jesus gets angry at, we should be angry at. What Jesus loves, we should love. What, what he hates, we should hate. So now, as preachers and saints, we must remember that we are not tasked, listen to this, this is really important. We are not tasked with making others like us. Everybody got that? That's not our job. Our job is not to make other people like us. We are tasked with helping them to be like Jesus. I'm fallible. I have problems. I have issues, but Jesus doesn't have issues. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, I got issues. All right? We all got issues, all right? Can we admit? Some of us have bigger issues than other people, but we all have issues, right? Is there anybody that's arrived yet? There's anybody that's perfect yet? No. So we don't want to get them to be like us. We want to get them to be like him. In fact, as we're trying to be like him, we want them to be like him. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6 says, 
the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. It probably had sand or a pebble or something in it. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make. And I'm going to read the rest in a moment. But how many of you have ever felt like or feel now that you are like a lump of clay on the potter's wheel? Does anybody feel like that? You all, we all, all, all ought to feel like that. Now the follow-up question to that is how many of you have messed up your vessel so the Lord had to stop the process and remake you? Okay. That's true of all of us, right? Uh, then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, O house of Israel, can I do, cannot I do with you as the potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in mine hand, O house of Israel. So what do you think is better, a list of rules to live by or a lifestyle that will shape us? It's obviously the lifestyle. How many of you remember um, years ago the phrase these people used to Put it everywhere. WWJD. Anybody remember what that was? What would Jesus do? Now, that is a good question, but to me, it always felt like a list of rules. To me. To me, it kind of felt like, what would Jesus do? Almost like, uh, how, can I, how can I say this? Well, to me, it just kind of felt like, it, to me, it felt like rules. Um, and so, based on the thought that of Jesus being formed in us, what kind of people should we be? I'm going to try to get back to this in a minute. But what did Jesus do? Jesus loved people, right? Uh, he was compassionate. He shared. He lifted. He healed. He encouraged. He forgave. He taught. So what were some of the things that Jesus did not do? And now we're going to change the page. And um, if you could help us with that, Nina. So we know what Jesus did, but what were the, some of the things Jesus did not do or would not do? I thought I saw a hand already. Um, Sister Tryon said he would not backbite. Yes? Not lie, he would not gossip. He would not kill. Did somebody say that? Okay. Anybody else? He would not have respect of persons. He would treat everybody the same, no matter of their race or their religion or their status in life. Oh, Brother Kane, I thought I saw your hand. He didn't change. Brother Brown. He did not sin. Okay, I'm sorry. Brother Brown, did I see your hand? Or? He didn't accuse. Okay, he didn't accuse unjustly. Um, Maria? Okay, he didn't, he didn't, enter, I'm going to repeat it for Sister Ellen. So he didn't entertain sin, he didn't excuse sin. Right. Right. 
Right. He didn't, uh, he didn't entertain the sin. He didn't excuse it. He, he tried to build the person up rather than tear them down. Good, excellent point. Uh, sister here, and then I'll get these over here. Torment? He, right, he didn't torment you? Okay, excellent. Sister Angie? He didn't push himself or force himself on people. He allowed them to make the decision. He offered them the choice between good and bad and let them make the choice. And, and so, excellent points. Are there, are there any others? So, what were some of the things that Jesus did not do for the brown? Didn't take the easy way out. He didn't hate. So some of these things that are on the li this list are things, if we, if we want Christ to be formed in us, some of these things that are on this list are things we're not going to do. And again, I don't want it to become a list of do's and don'ts. Uh, it, it needs to be a relationship. Uh, let me look at Ma uh, Matthew chapter 22, starting at 35. Then said one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Verse 39, the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 40 is so powerful here. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, if Jesus said it, I can't improve it. There's no way I can improve it. Uh, we, we have how many commandments? Ten? I know what Bible study a while back I said 12, but I was thinking of 12 possible. Anyway, ten, there's ten commandments. <laughs> I mess up every once in a while. There's ten commandments, ten list of rules, I guess. But Jesus said if you could wrap up all of those commandments, all of the laws, they would wrap up into this right here. That you would love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first. The second is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. A lot of problems in our world and in our personal lives will go away if we would do these two things right here. We don't need to... <laughs> we don't need to add to it we don't i mean if we would just do these two things a lot of life's problems would go away a lot of our issues would go away and so what did jesus teach here uh, maybe for the sake of time we probably don't have time to really get into it but you know he obviously said love the lord with all your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbor uh, so if you if <laughs> i'm going to kind of say a few things if you love god are you going to get drunk If you love God, are you going to commit fornication? Are, if you love God, are you going to commit criminal acts? If you love God, are you going to discriminate? So, you know, and if you love God, are you going to not be forgiving towards somebody? These are just things for us to kind of chew on. So maybe we should all consider rereading. I talked about this a little earlier. I think we all ought to consider rereading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, most of us hadn't read them with the emphasis that perhaps we should. Um, if we reread these books, 
in the mindset of looking for what Jesus taught us to be and not to be like, this would help Jesus to be formed in us. You know, I, many of us have been in church for a long time. And we've, many of us have read, have read the Bible many times. In fact, some of us might even think we really don't need to read it because we know it from cover to cover. Shame on us if we do that. But sometimes, and let's all admit it for a moment, there's areas we kind of gloss over because, you know what, I know that pretty good. But what happens if there's something there that Jesus wants us to know that we're glossing over it, jumping over it, <laughs> because they're, we think, all right, I know it pretty good. And that's why I'm really, I've been the last three days, two days, three days, I've really been writing a lot. I've been looking at the lessons that Jesus taught. I've been reading through the book of Luke and stopping at every lesson he taught and saying, okay, Lord, what were you trying to teach? And I've been writing about that. And it's really, it's very interesting. Brother Brown, did you have your hand up? Yeah, yeah, I, be, I believe that. There's, and, and maybe this is just for, for me, and maybe it's for all of us. Um, but when we look at the things that Jesus was trying to relate to people of his day, they relate to us today. And so jumping back to the notes, um, um, Paul taught the Galatians in Galatians uh, 5.14, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So here are the topics covered in the book of Galatians. This is, I'm going to go through a little quickly, but it says, uh, it, this breaks down the book of Galatians. The gospel is under attack in Galatia. We see that listed there. History of the law versus grace. That, there was a debate about that. Salvation by faith versus salvation by works. Slavery versus sons and heirs of God. Um, uh, the sinful flesh versus the Holy Spirit. Uh, how to do good. In, in the Christian community. Those are the things he talked about in the Church of Galatia. So we've covered the first topic. The second and third are sim simply this. We cannot earn our salvation by doing good things or by being good people. Right? We, that's, that's what some people have tried to take the teaching of Galatians and said, well, we're saved by grace alone and nothing else. Uh, you know, but that really goes against the word of God. I, I'm going to, we, yes, we're saved by grace, but we still have to be obedient to the gospel. Uh, Brother Brown, did you have your hand? And, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, right. Yeah. What she said. Right. Faith, faith without works is dead. Yes. You know? That's, yeah. Right. We're saved by grace through faith. Right. But true faith always results in obedience right. in obedient works because James said that faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. So our faith is proven. Even our saving faith mm -hmm. is proven by our obedience. And it's our obedience 
to the word, mm. to the gospel that comes from our faith that actually saves us. Right, right. And obviously, it's the work of Christ. There's nothing we can do other than being obedient. Uh, however, we still have to be obedient. Uh, and so, uh, what some people have tried to, especially in the 19th century, is boiling, boiling it down to, you don't have to do anything. You're saved. Right. And, and so, they're... Those epistles, those letters are written to show us how to walk with God after we're saved. That's what they're written for. And and so uh, we can't earn our salvation. You could help a million old ladies across the street, and it's not going to save you. You, you, Maybe we should do it anyhow. Well, you probably get tired after a few dozen, but um, I'm kidding. Uh, But, you know, um, you can't earn your salvation by doing good things. Uh, so let me read it. We cannot earn our salvation by doing good things or being good people. Some 19th century, I talked about that just a minute ago, so let me skip down. The fourth topic covered here in Galatians is what uh, is, is that we are sons of God. We are not slaves, but heirs and joint heirs with Christ. That's another problem in the church today is many people think, that uh, we have no real place in God, but he calls us joint heirs. We're sons and daughters of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. It's important to remember that. The fifth topic reminds us that there is always a struggle between the flesh and spirit. Is there anybody here that does not have a struggle between your flesh and spirit? Now I can give you the microphone. You can finish the lesson. All right, let me ask the question the other way. Is there anybody here that has a struggle between the flesh and the spirit? Stick your hand up in the air. All right, every one of us. All right, so there is that struggle. We need to fight the temptations and build a strong relationship with God. The sixth topic shown us uh, that we need to work on the relationship within our church community continually. We are brothers and sisters. We are we are our brother's keeper. Some people think that, that our, our relationship in the Christian community is not important, but I believe it is. The moment we think it's just me, myself, and I, and whatever, you know, if, if my brother goes flaky, I don't have to worry about that. No, that's your brother. That's your sister. We need to get to heaven together. Granted, it is an individual thing. You're going to stand before God someday, and, and, that's, and I'm going to stand before God someday, but I don't want to stand before God and him ask me the question, why were you so selfish? Why was it that you didn't care about my, your friend over there that was struggling and you just kept plodding along and ignored what they were having issues with? I don't want the Lord to come to me with that. And so, so we are our brother's keeper. We need to remember that. Uh, if there is a benefit in serving God, it would be that we become more and more like him. So what are the major areas that we need to become more like Jesus? Maybe we can flip the page again. I know some of this is re- re- we're reiterating. I understand that. But let's try to pick out some of the major areas that we can become more like Jesus. Our speech. That's an excellent one. That's one that didn't come out before. I'm glad you said that. Our speech. Disciple making. 
absolutely. Now, how many of you think, I, ho- I hope you don't think you have to be a preacher to become a disciple maker. That's not the word of God. Every one of us ought to be a disciple maker. What about that scripture that says action is a good word? Is that what you just said? Um, you know, what about the scripture that talks about, and I'm going to probably butcher it, but if you see someone have need and you kind of say, be, what, be warm, be filled, be warm, be filled, but you don't really do anything. It's kind of like somebody comes up to you and says, man, I haven't eaten for three weeks. Oh, I'm going to pray for you that God will bless you. That God will give you a hamburger. What would Jesus do? You know, his amazing thing is Jesus can take a boy's a boy's sack lunch, <laughs> you know, his little paper sack with a few, you know, a few little things in there and turn it around and feed five thousand people. The disciples said, Why don't you just send them away? And and, and so, so their idea was, there's no way we can feed these people. Jesus says, well, you know what? There's always something beyond what you think is going to happen, Brother James. Right. Now, we shouldn't be condemned if we can't. Because sometimes we can't. But even those situations when we can't, I think there's always another answer. We can always say, listen, I can't do something right now, but let me talk to somebody. And maybe we can get you help some other avenue. You don't just ignore it because you don't have a dime to your name. You know, so there is a way that we can meet others' needs, even if we can't meet our own needs at the moment. Um, I, I guess I can't get into a lot of detail here. Sister Ellen. Exactly. Exactly. And one thing, um, maybe many, and we got still got to get back to this, so remember this. What are some of the major areas we need to become more like Jesus? But um, we get a lot of calls at the church, a lot of calls. And so Marie assembled um, a long time ago. We've, we usually try to update it about every year or so. And, and we have a complete list of the resource that, resources that are available in the area. Um, and so there's times we can't do things or shouldn't do things for particular reasons, but we can plug them in with somebody that can help them. Um, I I remember years ago, and Sister Ellen might remember this, but there was a guy that, that came to our church. He, he came into New Britain. That's when we were down on West Main Street on a bus and he came in and, came in the altar, and he was praying, speaking in tongues, and getting a hold of God, and then right after service, talk, told us about how, you know, he's homeless, he's wondering if he could stay at the church, or, or if we could put him up, up at a hotel. I'll give you a real quick, uh, long story short, is that, uh, I believe it was Sister Ellen that recognized him, he was a man that uh, used to be in the church years ago, knew how to say and do all the right things, but he would constantly deceive churches and rip them off. 
Ellen pointed it out to me, and I, then I remembered who he was because he actually stole money to the, from the previous church that I served in over in Granby. And other people as well. And other churches all over the country. He, he knew what he was doing, and he did it on purpose. And he would come, and he would go to the altar, and he'd speak in tongues. He'd pray up a storm, and you'd be so compassionate, like, oh, look at what God has done. But yeah, this guy was going around ripping people off in the name of Christianity. And so I talked to him, and I reiterated, listen, we, I know what you're doing. You're caught. <laughs> Hand in the cookie jar. We know what's going on. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do, though. If you're hungry, I'll bring you across the road, and I will feed you. I'm not going to send you away hungry. But I'm not going to put you up in the church, and I'm not going to put you up in a hotel because I know what you do. And what he would do is he'd go into the hotel and start charging up all kinds of food and clothes and everything else on the credit card that churches would put him up in the hotel. Does that sound even closely? Well, I found out a few weeks later, he went from here to New York. A, a preacher friend of mine that we had preaching our church, Brother Bowie, took him in, put him into the church. They had a little um, parsonage, not parsonage, a little uh, apartment there, an apartment in the church. And so he stayed there for a while. They fed him. They took care of him. And one night he broke into the church's safe, stole all the money, and took off. So, and I don't want to put a, a damper on what, what I'm trying to say, is when we can do something, we should do something. And by the way, I'd rather get ripped off and be right in the eyes of God than not do something that I should do. I still want to be careful. I still want to be wise. That's why we don't put people up in the church. You know, we don't want them walking out with the sound system. <laughs> Right, Brother Sam? <laughs> we don't want them walking out with the sound system and selling all our chairs. And <laughs> anyhow, so, but, we, but there are ways to help. All right, let's get back to this. So what are some of the major areas we, that we need to um, become more like Jesus? Yes. Prayer life. Amen. Yes. How we view others. Anybody else? Brother Brown. Fasting. These are all things Jesus did, right? Okay. A couple more, one or two more. What are some of the major things we can do to become more like Jesus? All right. Suffer. Ooh. That one hurts. <laughs> it hurts, and it should hurt. Yep. That I may know him after the fellowship of his suffering. Power of his resurrection. Yep. Yep. Nobody. Yep. Yep. Sure. That's right. Amen. Amen. So let me uh, let me kind of bring this to a to a uh, close here. Our our prayer is that we ought to be more like him in all areas, personally, at home, at work, socially at church, everywhere. Going back to the thought of what would Jesus do, maybe it should be WWJB. 
what would Jesus be? Anyhow, just a thought. That and $2.40 will get you coffee. Um, so when Jesus is formed in us, we will be better in every area of our life. Paul stated that he labored in travail or in birth until Christ was formed in them. What is the real meaning of Christ being formed in us? It's taking on these characteristics that we've talked about. It's not doing the things that Jesus wouldn't do, things like that. The church is not called to make new converts as much as it is called to help people follow and live like Jesus and to let Jesus be formed in them. Now, yes, we're called to make new converts. But it's not just to have more, more, more numbers on the, on the list or on the roll. Uh, it, is, um, it is we're called to help people follow and live for Jesus. So based on this lesson, our daily prayer should be, Jesus, help me to be more like you. Right? Everybody agree on that? that? That ought to be our prayer every day. Jesus, help me to be more like you. So I'm not going to ask you to respond to this question. But I want you to think about it. If you had one or two areas in your life that you need to let Jesus be formed in you, what are they? If you had one or two areas that you need Jesus to be formed in you, what are they? Now you have your prayer list for the next week. Okay. If you have issues with your temper, we need to have Christ formed in us. That ought to be something we pray for. All right? So I want to say this again. This is more powerful than you could ever imagine if you will embrace it. If you had one or two areas in your don't try to fix everything overnight. You got too much to fix. So do I, all right? That's why I say one or two areas, all right? If you had one or two areas in your life that you need Jesus to be formed in you, what would they be? That's your prayer list for the next week. Amen? Let's all stand. I hope you enjoyed the lesson. I know I enjoyed putting it together, and uh, hopefully it was a blessing to you. Brother Brown, do you mind leading us in prayer, please? Amen. And then, ladies, last thing, just remember that at 5 o'clock, all ladies, 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon, there is a ladies' bake swap. Uh, it's really a time of fellowship. So even if you don't bake, why don't you come hang around with the ladies, have a time of fellowship. It's going to be 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon. I think the ladies are going to have a great time. It's really good to rub shoulders with and just 
kind of get to know each other. So I hope, ladies, you take advantage of that. God bless you again. We will see you Sunday, if not before, if you're Spanish. Tomorrow, anyhow, we'll see you all soon. God bless. Just click on the photo.